0: And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Black and Blue Pod. A lot to cover. Oscars, relevant, and it took a man uh, borderline assaulting another man to become relevant again. Uh, Final Four is officially announced. Blue Bloods, all blue blood. Final Four Sixers are kind of confusing the living shit out of me. Phillies made two big signings since we last talked. And uh, also, we got a new segment where we're going to talk about how uh, things in sports grind our gears and uh we're, we're gonna be doing that towards the end so i'm matt mclaughlin your host alongside timmy gorman first thing we gotta talk about i gotta talk about right
1: title by the way right because we don't want family guy to sue us
0: yeah exactly exactly <laughs> we're uh we're trying to avoid litigation um so oscars chris rock will smith two heavyweights in the entertainment industry um And if you haven't, if you're not on Twitter or just not on the Internet, if you live under a rock, (laughs) Will Smith, Will Smith went open handed mama disciplining her kid, slapped Chris Rock live on stage uh, after Chris Rock referred to uh, Jada Pinkett Smith as G.I. Jane, too. And if you're if you're not aware with the proper context, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith uh, has alopecia. Uh, dating back she, in 2018, she originally revealed uh, she was diagnosed with that. And right off the top, there, uh, my take on this is there were no winners, obviously. Where uh, people are going to go around trying to assign blame and fault and responsibility, all that type of stuff. There were no winners. Both Chris Rock and Will Smith were losers. For Chris Rock on his side, the, uh, the joke was in poor taste. I can agree with that, it was in poor taste. And it wasn't a very well-written joke. And as a fan of comedy, Chris Rock can do better than that. I think he was just kind of taking a little jab to break the ice a little bit as he was going on stage. But Will Smith is the biggest loser out of this entire situation. Not only because of what he did, that he thought that was the right idea, but just the fact that this was 20 minutes basically before he wins his first Oscar as an actor, combined with... The fact that he laughs at the joke at first, he laughs at the first punchline and all of a sudden you see Jada Pickett Smith's uh, face, just go, just go upside down, frown upside down. Um, And then all of a sudden, Will Smith just flips a switch. And then he's next thing you know, he's walking up on the stage and then it just, just slaps him. Will Smith comes across as the biggest fucking loser on the goddamn planet when it should have been the biggest win of his career. It should have been the most triumphant night of his career. And for whatever reason, he couldn't handle this like a real man. And for someone that has been mean to death, probably more than anyone besides Michael Jordan on the internet, this is absolutely asinine. He's clearly in a marriage that he hates. Like I I've never seen for the last couple of years, Will Smith say like, Hey, I love being in this marriage and you. And when they handled the whole entanglement saga, they did it on her Facebook live show because they knew they were going to make a shit ton of money off of this and a shit ton of revenue, and Will Smith's crying as he should have been. And yet, despite all of that, he stayed throughout this marriage, and this is the line, Chris Rock making a G.I. Jane 2 joke that sets you over the edge, and this is when you got to step up as a man and really show that you can't mess with my wife. This is the line that you cross, and you decide to take one of the best nights of your career and turn it upside down absolutely asinine and denzel washington of all people said the best advice which was um the devil will come for you at your highest point point," and it's just ridiculous i can't believe this is happening and it may be the best thing for the internet bloggers and all the people that cover this in decades and it's it's just really sad because will smith should have been celebrated instead he looked like an absolute fucking moron on out of all this
1: and then he cried again at the end. So we got yeah. Another, and then he
0: turned his acceptance we speech, enough, speech. We got a
1: second meme of him crying now. The whole situation is like it perfectly encompasses this oh. Jada Pinkett and Will Smith relationship over the last decade plus. Yeah. Because, like, I thought they actually got divorced. Like, not just like not. I'm not saying that. Like, yesterday was the first time I like. I'm saying like a couple of years back. I'm like, wait, they're like still technically married. Like they're back together now. Yeah, it's like this weird. Like, the cookie jar. Like, what? What is going on? You know,
0: it's like it's classified as like an open marriage and. This oh yeah, because
1: those always work out. I can tell you from firsthand experience.
0: And it just sounds like, from all reports, that like Jada, Jada just gets to go with whatever guy that she wants, and Will right. Smith's just like the beta male in the corner, just being like, "Oh, I guess I'll like watch or just like be the loyal, faithful partner." And then remember when he was going doing the media rounds for his uh, his book, he was talking about how, vomiting from orgasms when he when he she and her broke... <laughs> he said that. Yeah, that was one of the big quotes that came out of the book was he described how he was so upset and emotionally like torn that now this is all alleged. According to him, no one's ever really confirmed this, that when he would have sex with other women and he would orgasm that he would start vomiting. And he was just so, uh, it made zero sense. And even if you just take this whole Oscar situation in a microcosm and just put it in a vacuum, if you're, you're Will Smith, the best way to handle this, let the award show, keep going. Handle it after when the cameras aren't on. Yeah, like especially
1: since you laughed at first, and then walked up on stage on a nationally televised event, and then like bit open hand bitch slapped them. At that point, just fucking punch them. If you're gonna do something, just go 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 rock them in the face. And like, I don't know not if- to not, not to use a pun there, but seriously, <laughs> like if you're, I didn't think you about know,
0: but, but it's like. I think he was expecting a fight back, because if you watch the footage, Will has his left hand kind of ready as he's coming through this swing, and he takes a little bit of a step back, almost preparing, like, fight Chris Rock right on stage. It's very slight. I don't know if you saw it.
1: But here's the other thing, too. So, it, it, like I said, like, in, the, in, in comp team, their weird-ass fucking relationships they have, like, in, you know... The, there's so many strange things and this might even be like as you said the weirdest thing in their relationships history and it's just like it's just another like they're they met ne- like that that you know how there was that saying like uh no press is like bad press or something i know i'm butchering it you know yeah, what i'm saying like,
0: all yeah bad press is still good press and press or that.
1: something like that right like but you know there's there's definitely there's, there's definitely instances when that's not the case but i think that's a very uh That's self. It's that's a very self-absorbed way of looking at it. Be like, even if you're talking bad about me, you're still talking about me, kind of way.
0: Yeah, Um, exactly.
1: You know, it's kind of like the Jack Sparrow way of looking at it. Like you're the worst pirate I've ever, I've ever heard of. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing you can think of is, but you have heard of me, and that's like the way they like. They're like, I feel like these two are anymore. Like, you know, he finally, after years of just shit-ass fucking movies and entertainment that he's produced with his whack job. Now, now I'm starting to understand why his kids are so fucking weird because there's relationship apparently and it, it couldn't have just started because he got caught cheating. No. You know, like no. there it, it had to be a weird ass relationship.
0: When she got caught cheating, the way they decided to handle it was publicly at her red table talk, whatever that show is. That really all that says what you need to know about this couple is that they didn't want they like you've been in a situation where you've had partners you've caught partners like cheating on you I haven't had that experience I can only imagine
1: it's the worst feeling it's the worst feeling even it it literally it has been eight years since that day when I came home and and first found found out and, and found the found the evidence eight years since that day yeah and it still sucks to think about even though i've moved on with my life and i'm happy and i have a child of my own and and a you know a serious and a serious girlfriend who cares about me and everything and i love her and but it's so it's the worst feeling and anybody who says that you eventually like are just like you forget how no you'll never not remember that feeling people that cheat are self-absorbed and there are selfish assholes that only are thinking about themselves. And they usually just have to find a way to justify it to themselves. In my instance, it was, oh, well, we've been fighting a lot and this guy that I work with has been really there for me. So he must like me more now than Tim does. So that, that was her justification to, to spread her legs. I don't know what Jaden Hengen Smith was, but from everything that we, we just covered, it probably wasn't good like normal, you know.
0: There's two different roads you could have handled this. You could have handled this privately behind closed doors, or instead brought live stream it to millions of people who watch it, and they chose to live stream it and get Will's full just dismantling as a man. And that's all you need to know. And then this is the line where and, it's and you like- know
1: why? Because in her head that cleared the hero of the guilt. By yep. being like, oh, I'm letting you rip me down in public. No, that doesn't clear yeah. you the guilt. And that's how cheaters think.
0: This event should be the National Thank Twitter Day um, because this is a day where you really, you really appreciate Twitter for having people to instantly just cut that up and post it.
1: Well, you know what I found out? It was the Apple News. They, they, oh, that, really? they had that shit ready to go like within seconds. Here, are my, here is my closing thoughts. Is Who at the Oscars okayed Chris Rock to tell that joke
0: I have a counterpoint to that
1: and I think that Will Smith knew it was coming thought it was funny and that's why the joke got okayed in some way or hit their camp knew and then when Jada like you know being the maniacal weirdo that she is and when it happened live she decided to be like nope or maybe she didn't know and he she she reacted differently
0: so counterpoint to that would be, I think Chris Rock wasn't planning on telling that joke, and he never really brought it up to the approval of the Academy or whatever. Oh, true. Oh, you know that what? shit, yeah,
1: that's right. That's right.
0: He probably didn't. He probably thought, okay, they would take it on the chest and they would let it roll because they get like, right. comedy writing and all that type of stuff. You see Will Smith being like, oh, I bet Jada's just going to laugh because she she's kind of self-deprecating. And then it was that situation where KFC radio, KFC Barstool. Um, he made a good point about this was like Jada Pinkett Smith gave the look of like every guy seeing his girlfriend accidentally get into a fight with the dude. And then you realize that you got to stand up for her and take on whatever fight that she's picking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so true. That is definitely the look that it's like, why aren't you sticking up for me right now? What are you on his side? Why? Like that's exactly what that look was.
0: Exactly. Oh my God, and then so I think true. Will Smith was just like, "Fuck, I got to do something." And then once he realized that he actually did the slap, and then he was like, "Okay, I got to add on to this and like really show my wife." I don't know why she's still my wife, but show my <laughs> wife that I'm actually fighting for her. And then that's when he starts yelling and all that type of stuff. But let's move. So, on. but here's
1: the other thing. Here's my other point. Then, and you'll probably have a better an answer to it too. Is they don't have people like at the Oscars, like s- there. Yeah, like yeah. in some way or form to prevent something like this from happening. Cause this can't be the, this isn't the first time someone has done something like this in a world, like not like the physical part, but like, I mean, you had Kanye basically go out and humiliate Taylor Swift and everyone was okay with it because she's a white girl and he's a black dude.
0: But, no, like, people were not okay with that. People were Kanye was the number one most hated person in America. Yes, yes, because I've had legitimate arguments with like people, not just Taylor Swift fans, that are like Kanye's such an asshole for stealing the spotlight away from Taylor.
1: What about stealing the spotlight? It's just about the fact that he was a douchebag for what he did.
0: What Kanye did? Kanye said Beyonce had one of the greatest music videos of all time. Yada yada yada. He got so much more shit for that to the point where he had to hide away in Hawaii and make my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy for months. For months he was getting shit on. Think about it. He was the meme of every Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel monologue. Family guy, South Park was still well, at its peak.
1: And and my and and, and, and that I, I, it, that was karma catching up with him. Like, was it an overreaction? Yes. And like definitely what Will Smith did was 10 times worse by like doing physical violence.
0: Yeah. But all right, let's um, let's let's move yeah, on now. So let's we,
1: move on. But yeah, the bodyguards like they don't have bodyguards here to stop him from going on stage. That,
0: yeah, I mean, true. It's also a fair question. Um, all right, so Final Four is officially here. It is set. The Blue Blood Final Four: Kansas, Villanova, Duke, and UNC. We actually get Duke and UNC, um, for the first time in a Final Four game. Uh, the last time both teams made the Final Four in the same year was 1991. Uh, but they did not face each other. It was Duke versus UNLV and also UNC in Kansas. Uh, UNC lost to Kansas and then uh, Duke beat UNLV. That was like the revenge game uh, for the championship the year before. Um, and yeah, so. Villanova he made plays- the
1: final Four that year?
0: Yeah, a couple of things. Justin Moore of Villanova tours Achilles in their last game, which is Ugh. really heartbreaking. It really sucked. Like, I give Villanova a lot of shit, but never the players, because um, I hate the fans more than the actual players.
1: Yeah, it's the alumni that I can't stand.
0: Yeah, and for Villanova, that's a huge Same loss. thing
1: with your school. It's the alumni. It's <laughs> the – it's the. It's, the, it's not can see all it. of them. I can it's see it. It's the fans that know nothing that just walk around and yell, they number one, that are drinking the Kool-Aid. It's like the same with the, the Villanova fans. It's that. And it's, it's not just us, people. It's anyone that lives in this area thinks the same way, whether you went to one of the big fives or not. Everyone feels the same way about Villanova.
0: There's obviously a couple of concerns I have for both teams. Number one, the score. Where is Villanova going to get the scoring with Justin Moore out? And I know <laughs> Colin Gillespie is going to step up and try and su- supplement some of that. And for Kansas, there's still a concern that a Ab- 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 Baji. I think I pronounced that correctly. I think, I, yeah, I think that's right. Akbaji um, he's shown me games where the defense can shut him down and Providence another top defensive big east team held him to five points and they should have won that game if they did not
1: shoot themselves in the foot all first half they could have won that game
0: but still that's kansas has shown that they can overcome that but either way this is where the margin of error gets margin of error gets thinner and thinner each game that mm-hmm. you advance. And when I'm looking at those two main concerns, I sound like Stephen A. Smith. When you're looking at this in its entirety <laughs> proportionately.
1: With the pen in your hand, too. Yeah,
0: with the pen in my hand. I got the iPad right out here. Um, <laughs> so that, to me, is which, one, which team do you trust to overcome a possible uh, obstacle? And as much as I hate to admit it, that's Villanova. Villanova, Jay Wright, and this team is... <laughs> filled with vets it's filled with vets and they know how to handle big game moments and this is of course i said it before the tournament started this is the perfect bracket where or the perfect year where villanova just reminds everyone that they're one of the blue bloods and that it restarts the whole dynasty thing just like the san francisco giants when they won all those world series in like even numbered years uh in the mlb so I'm I'm going to trust Villanova to win and get to the national championship. Unfortunately, as much as I hate to have to deal with it, but uh, what do you think about this game?
1: I, I yeah, like you said, it's 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 twofold. It's it's there's on the coaching level. It's you know Bill Self and Jay Wright, and they both have had their fair share of choke jobs in the past, but um, doing doing a lot more with a lot less. I think Jay Wright, you know, yeah. that's how he got his name because he didn't build this Villanova, like, you know, like it's not like Villanova was shit. Like they didn't like Villanova basketball didn't exist before Jay Wright. Obviously they did. They were, they were very big in the eighties. He
0: wasn't, he he wasn't the Calipari Duke approach where he was getting freshmen and starting out five, five five-star. He wasn't
1: getting five-star recruits and like, you know, but it also wasn't like, you know, he was resurrecting a program that had kind of fallen on hard times. Like the last time they were really good before he got there was with was when Kerry Kittles was there in the the mid nineties when the big East was so good with Kerry Kittles and Ray Allen and Allen Iverson and all those guys. And so like they had kind of gone dormant and he was on the hot seat the first couple of years. And I remember the game that kind of saved his skin. And the next year is when they, when they started winning was, it was a big East tournament game. Ironically they were playing Providence and it was the year that Providence was like pretty good when they had Ryan Gomes and Rob Sanders. And yeah. that year that they went into Connecticut and beat UConn when UConn won it all that year. And that the 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 famous press conference is Jim Calhoun yelling at all the reporters, being like, "We didn't recruit Ryan Gomes because we had Charlie went away when we had the and like because everyone because in typical reporter fashion, they just had an instant reaction because Ryan Gomes shredded them for like 35 points or something." Yeah. And they were like, well, why didn't you recruit Ryan Grooms? He was a local kid.
0: Yeah, it was, it was one of those was like, classic Because we have Ben Calhoun Gordon and class. we have Rick
1: Hamilton and we have this guy and we have that guy. Yeah, and, and the
0: reporters are trying to prick and prod and get a reaction yeah, like
1: and that. which <laughs> Calhoun was never going to back down from. But, you know, that said, I, I remember that team with like Alan Ray and Randy Foy. I remember that game where it was kind of like, hey, they put this together maybe next year. And then, then the next year came and they beat the team they beat to kind of Start launching this, Kansas. Mm. They beat them in the regular season, and they beat them pretty handily too. And they went on; they took the eventual national championship, North Carolina Tar Heels, to a. uh, They were they played North Carolina harder than anybody did that that whole tournament outside of Illinois, Um, and that was two thousand. That was in two thousand four, two thousand five, and that was that. And everything that after that was history. Now there was all those times where. They were two seed or one seed, and they like choked in the second round to like a North Carolina state or something like that. But Kansas has done that way more, way le- way more often than they have. And on top of it, they have played the last two times Villanova's won, right? 2016 and 2018. Yeah. They beat Kansas in the Elite Eight when yep. Kansas was a, supposed to be the far superior team. And Villanova led that game from start to finish. Yep. Ironic, which is ironic, that was six years ago, as I was mentioning, that that's what it, it's ironic because I remember that game, watching it. And for, for my personal reasons, from what we talked about earlier, that's why I'm mean, being ironic. And then in 2018, they absolutely bent them over a table in the national semifinal. Like, people yeah. think that beat down of Michigan in the final was bad. No, what they did to Kansas in the semis, is embarrassing
0: it, it made your jaw drop i remember being like this is a it fucking, wasn't a game oh, from the tip yeah i remember this is like a this is a chance to get to the national championship and this is the type of effort um that they're putting out there it was it was
1: crazy so they have i think jay wright's got bill self's number i i honestly do i also think he's a better coach personally and that's not like a recent like that's not a locally biased thing as we just mentioned i just i like i like jay wright not that I don't like Bill Self, but I just think he's the best. Jay Wright's the better coach. And like you said, I think the Villanova players overcome adversity better than most people do because Jay Wright knows how to teach him like that. And these are the guys he gets. Yeah. He, he gets players that he knows, like a Colin Gillespie. Like He'll, he'll get guys that can be flashy, but he goes and he gets these Philly guys. He always makes sure he has that one Philly dude that he can have. Now, obviously, Gillespie's from – Bucks County, you know, he grew up right around the corner from where I live now and went to Archbishop Wood. Yeah. The, yeah. And then they, had, they have the, um, they have Archie Diacono's brother. who's a, you know, another local kid, but yeah. that's the thing. They, they know how to do it. And yeah. I think Eric Dixon, another local kid, I Abington. think he'll step up. And because he's proven this year when they needed to him, needed to, he he's stepped leading up the team
0: him. in field goal percentage.
1: Yeah. He's good. And, you know, it took a couple of years for him to kind of, get used to the college game, but I think Hall step up. Gillespie hasn't really had that moment yet this year since coming back from that knee injury. I think he'll finally have a big game in the tournament. They'll have other people there to, to support without Justin Moore there, and I think Villanova gets it done as well.
0: So I got a score prediction of I think it's going to be really tight and relatively low scoring. I think it's going to be like 73-65. How do you think well, that... I'd say
1: like 66-61. I think, Ooh, uh, I think I think like it's that. gonna be it's gonna be what they had to do in 2016. It's gonna they're gonna slow it down. It's gonna look like 1980s basketball four corner shit.
0: Exactly. So we're both in agreement on that one. Now it's the the real appetizer. Us as two uh, out of state UNC fans, Duke versus UNC. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, I'm gonna
1: be I'm gonna be streamlining literally freaking anxiety medication all goddamn like i'm literally gonna be living off like ativan and uh
0: we may we may have to be we may have to do a facetime call like just this entire game i don't think
1: i can watch it i don't think i'm actually gonna be able to watch it
0: you got you can't you can't like you gotta watch it bro you can't I, I,
1: i didn't watch the coach k final game i watched when they like for like three minutes in the first half and saw three ridiculous calls and I immediately was out. I was like, all right, this, this is how I was going to go. I kind of expected it. Plus UNC didn't look like they were ready to play. And it wasn't that I turned it on once I knew the win was over, but I turned it on with like five minutes to go on the iPad no volume on and pace back and forth. <laughs> beer in my hand.
0: That's such a like, Philly fan thing to do is just put it on mute and then just pace back and forth. Not even watch the whole see thing. Me,
1: You should have seen me on Friday with the UCLA game. I turned it off at, when they went down like five points in the second half because I was like, I'm bad luck. Yeah.
0: Because I didn't yeah. get to watch
1: the entire Bad juju. Bad
0: juju. Well, we called before the tournament started. We said that UNC was a team to look out for. Baycott's been unbelievable even though we did get in foul trouble uh, towards the end of that Baylor game, but we, we predicted that we, we also predict, <laughs> predicted Iowa uh, going down to Richmond. No need to brag. Uh, we did Timmy well, predicted we that one. Yeah. Timmy did. <laughs> Timmy got that one. I'm not going to take credit right for that one. And um, we
1: think the exact same thing we said about UNC giving Baylor trouble is the whole reason that they won that game.
0: Exactly. Together. We said that. And um With UNC, the the physical presence, I think, is going to be the biggest difference maker in this game. Baycott is just absolutely hungry on the boards, and the team as a whole has recorded 45 rebounds or more in the last three games, which is insane to think about.
1: 14 rebounds with, like, five minutes to go in the first half yesterday.
0: Exactly. Like, they just – they eat up on the glass, and that creates more second-chance opportunities – And when I'm looking at this Duke team, sure, they have a lot of great perimeter scores, but do they really have anyone that's going to contain this Tar Heel team to uh, attack the glass and create more second-chance opportunities? No, it's the same thing that we said about Baylor. I think that Duke is going to face a lot of foul trouble, and I think it's going to come down to is Duke going to rely on uh, Bancaro to really carry them to the finish line. And with UNC, UNC still has some wild cards. Like, R.J. Davis has been really kind of inconsistent. He had that great game against Baylor, but in the he's second been
1: nowhere, half – he's been nowhere to be found the last two games.
0: Exactly. And even towards – in the second half of that Baylor game, he was struggling to find his shot, and the defense adjusted and getting the ball out of his hands. So he's got to figure out adjustments for that. And then looking at Duke's side, A.J. Griffin's going to be huge. He's got to be the really bona fide number two guy. And – even a Duke team with, just to go back a couple of years, with Zion, R.J. Barrett, and, and Cam Reddish, that big three that we thought was going to form, that team struggled against UCF and nearly lost um, in the tournament before the national championship. So nothing's guaranteed. And that and, team
1: was way more hyped than this team. Outside exactly. of Caro, that team was way better and way more hyped than this team is.
0: Exactly. So I just think that UNC, I know I – pick Tennessee to ride hot with the hot hand. And I, I'm using that logic here, but assuming Manic plays the whole freaking game, it doesn't throw an elbow like a dumbass again. UNC will be in this game at very minimum. And I think that UNC, if any team, oh, what's up Killian? Killian, you, you got to pick. Voice. Yeah, for real. He's got to pick. We all love
1: North Carolina, right, buddy?
0: Go Tar Heels, You're baby. All
1: the way. The death stare, the absolute death stare. (laughs) You thought Jada Pinkett could stare hard?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna take UNC. Fuck it, why not? Kind of like a little bit of a Cinderella run, and they just had a, they just smacked the tar out of uh, no, no pun intended, out of uh St. Peter's. (laughs) So they're 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 riding a lot of, they're they got a lot of confidence going into this game, and. If Manic plays the full the full game and doesn't get ejected again, I think UNC will upset Duke again, and Coach K's last stand is finally going to hopefully end.
1: Dang, this Coach K bullshit, drawn-out retirement ceremony saga has been hanging over this season since he announced his retirement some 400-odd fucking days ago. <laughs> he did it on purpose. Yeah. I don't care what anyone thinks. That man everything he does is a calculated move for to draw attention to himself in that program. It's genius, it's smart. But can't even fault when the It's guy. not about Duke. It's like even with the USA thing. He stuck around with that team because he knew that he was going to have LeBron in them and he would easily win those three gold medals. That you know that said like this has been hanging like it's like the Death Star. It's been hanging over the heads of like the all of college basketball, who were like the rebellion and the Star Wars and Star Wars for real. With it. Like yeah. every of every podcast you w- listen to, every article you read, like everybody, it's all they talk about. Titus and Tate, Barstool, like Big Cat, literally every after every game goes on and says something like, "It's literally this fate of we like nobody wants the." him to go out on the high.
0: We've got – we've talked a lot about Coach K. Final score here, like prediction? Do you-
1: I don't know because I don't want to be cynical and I don't want to be that asshole UNC fan that everyone's like, you can't just play the rest for everything. Because as a UNC fan, I will admit, we get calls too. We just don't get them for against Duke. I can't watch – like, be like I can't watch it because I'm going to watch it and every foul call. And like, that's not a foul because it's just – I'm just a psychopath and that's how I'm programmed on top of the fact that the officiating has been so fucking horrendous. It's been a talking point. Like, you can sit – I don't care what Ryan Russillo wants to fucking say, and this is the one time that I've, I've kind of been like – Simmons has gotten super annoying to me lately with his fucking Boston blowjob that he's been giving out to the Celtics and the shit talk on the Sixers and Embiid. We'll talk but about like, the Sixers at a later you know, segment. But I'm saying, like, they're like – when they after that UNT game, two guys that don't really necessarily watch college basketball to sit there and be like, and people want to talk about deficiating. No, it was UNC. Yes, did UNC do dumb things? Yeah, fucking Leaky Black kept dr- dribbling the ball into the corner like a moron,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. That
1: was dumb. But every time they inbounded the ball, a Baylor player was literally over top of the UNC player, fouling him on a reach in and nothing was getting called. I'm like watching it. I'm like, the refs have just been so goddamn bad. And I, in my head, I've like concocted it to the point that I'm like, the NCAA fixed this for Duke to win. And I'm not saying this team isn't good. They are. Ben Caro is a possible first overall pick. Will he be a stud in the pros? I don't know. I think he's a little too slow to be what everyone thinks he's going to be, but he I think he if he has the drive, he can be good. He can be great. That said, I just like I just think ever since coach K came out and announced it, there was a lot of he had a lot of things he did it the reasons he did it. One I think was so he could basically get nothing but praise and adulation. For a full calendar year plus. Like, if I had to sit there and watch him and his fucking wife walk into the arena one okay. more time, I might lose my mind. So, I hope. So, the
0: actual game. The actual right, game. That's what I'm we- saying.
1: I hope it's just, I hope it's a great game. I hope yeah. it's another game that adds to the lore of this this rivalry. It that, that, that is, in my opinion, the greatest rivalry in sports when the two teams are on. Don't give a fuck what you goddamn Yankees and Red Sox fans think. What I was going to say that's a hot take. What you fucking Ohio State and Michigan fans think. This is the best rivalry in sports when both teams are on. It, because it is eight miles apart of nothing but pure blue blood hate. And when your most hated rival is literally that close to you, it makes it that much more like better for, for, for everyone to be involved. Yeah. I hope we get a great game. I hope we get a North Carolina win. I just don't see it in the cards. I just don't think it's going to be, be a lot to happen.
0: That's fine. If you, the, if you believe if deep they, down in your heart. The,
1: the, the deep down in my heart, I know what it's going to take. He's going to have to dominate the boards. Man, it's going to have to do a lot of the intangibles and stay out of foul trouble. It's going to take Caleb Love and Davis together having great games. If those two together have a great game, and, and Bacon is, does his thing, this team is unstoppable. I'm sorry they are. Because they're finally showing why there were 5 five-star fucking recruits. Yep. Caleb Love has been unconscious for 72 hours. He just made another three during this podcast. <laughs> like, he, he, you know, he's been rolling out of bed hitting threes. Like, yeah. he's been great. And it's not just threes. He's taking it to the hole. He's playing defense. Like, if this, the recipe is there, we can. they can do it. Not we. We're not on the team. UNC can do it. I just I'm cynical. I'm, I'm a Philadelphia sports fan. I was born to be cynical. I was I was made to be cynical. I just don't I just I just there's there's just it's just that blurriness that that just keeps telling me it's going to be a great game and then it's going to come down for the final 2 minutes, UNC's going to have a small lead and they're going to lose by 2 or something.
0: But speaking of cynical, got to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers and I think I've listened to too many Bill Simmons podcasts with Ryan Rosillo Cause now I am officially hitting the panic button on this team. Um, yeah, it, No, I agree. And it's, it's like on the Simmons
1: it, and Rusillo thing.
0: Oh, it's <laughs> like they've ripped off. The Sixers have ripped off like four out of the last five have been wins, which. Okay. But when you actually like dive into the schedule, it's, it's shit teams. Yeah. It's not very good teams. Um, a and short the hit, one team,
1: the one team they play is that that's good is the Suns? They had a 20 point lead and they ended up losing by 15.
0: Exactly. And it sets up this massive game for the bucks against the bucks. I should say, because they're only half a game out of first place. And it, when you add into the play in tournament, how Brooklyn fits into the picture. Now that Kyrie is allowed to play home games and all that type <sighs> of stuff. We're going to talk about Kyrie later, but whether you like it or not, Kyrie's playing home games. And with the Sixers, James Harden, I like he just seems like the 8 year or the five-year-old that's bored with an iPad five minutes after playing with it. And then it's just like, what else is new? Like, what's another game I can play? And he just seems uninterested. He's not necessarily moving with the ball as when he first got to Philly. Maybe this is my only rationalization that everything will be fine is Tyrese Maxey gets it together, the half court uh, play style of the playoffs benefits him and he can use his speed more. And then James Harden gets in better shape and his hamstring maybe feels better or something where his conditioning kicks up. And then finally, meaning meaningful basketball happens. And he goes right back to what we saw when he first got to Philly. That is my only rationalization of how the Sixers still get into the playoffs or not get into the playoffs, excuse me, get to the NBA finals and we'll make a run. Day. They
1: get to have a deep run yeah. here and a with successful deep run.
0: Yeah. And with that loss against Phoenix, like there's no shame in that. Like I don't know a 10 it's, point it's loss no to a 10 point loss to Phoenix who just got back. Chris Paul. Um, that's that really? team. was playing. Yeah. He was playing. Um,
1: Sorry. I was busy watching UNC and then then uh, <laughs> USA soccer and out
0: to an anniversary dinner. Yeah, no worries. No worries. You got to enjoy You got to enjoy the small moments in life, but it's, there's no shame in that, especially when Devin Booker seemed like a man possessed about really putting his stamp on uh, he's been team. Great. He's been great. I, I think the addition of Chris Paul's uh, uh, we're like, we're, we're avid fans of the bill Simmons podcast. And, you know, sometimes I listen back to these episodes and we're like, we're like watered down bill Simmons and Ryan Rossillo sometimes. And when, I listened to the Simmons podcast from today or yesterday where they're talking about the Phoenix Suns. Um, this team is 61 and 14 Phoenix is 61 and 14. And yet somehow I think people are just kind of waiting for them to see what the playoffs are like and see if they can rebound. they are waiting to see if Chris
1: Paul can stay healthy. And yes, yeah, so yeah. There's, that. There's, there's that too. But
0: to kind of shift this back to the Sixers, like, there's I'm okay with the 10 point loss to Phoenix. That's going to happen. And I really do put a lot of stock into the shift of regular season games, finishing out the regular season and then getting to playoffs when Joel and knows, okay, it's time to turn up. This is where I cement my legacy. And this is where we really got to step up when it comes to meaningful basketball and get into the playoffs. I think Embiid and Harden are in the stage where they just want to get to the playoffs and go after that title. And so I am blinding myself with the idea and the thesis that they're just bored. And that'll change come playoffs when Wells Fargo's rocking. Well, Harden
1: is, I mean, Embiid still goes out there. And especially anything, with, he's just tired.
0: Especially with the MVP chatter. He desperately wants to win MVP, I believe, um, and is kind of tired of all the not disrespectful yeah. lack of uh, praise that he's gotten in the press during the regular season. And so maybe that all changes come playoff times, and Tyrese Maxey finds his shot. Matisse Thybulle finally becomes more aggressive uh, on offense, and maybe like gives maybe Doc can finally give some minutes to other guys like Isaiah Joe, Paul Millsap, Paul Reed. Um, Someone
1: that's not Furkan, I suck. Corkmons.
0: <laughs> well, Furkan didn't even play last game. Good, he's and um the rotation has kind of been from the bench. Danny Green, gorgeous Yang. DeAndre Jordan and shake Milton. That's not a playoff caliber bench. Just give it to the young guys, give it to Isaiah Joe, give it to Paul Reed and see what well, they can do.
1: If shake could ever rediscover his form from two and a half years ago, he could be a viable bench scoring option. The problem is he watched Tyrese Maxey squeaks, you know, streak right past him like a comment in the sky. And instead of being a professional about it, he's gotten all butthurt over it. Yeah. and has let it just affect his career granted he's been injured but if he really wanted to prove that he has what it takes and we've seen that he has what it takes to be at least a, a you know a not a delight a jamal crawford light esque player like a guy who can come in and on any given night give you like 15 to 18 off the bench to help and- you win
0: you know he's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to be smart and make the right plays. And kind of just keep, keep the offense moving. You don't got to do anything explosive, but just keep it moving.
1: Exactly. Unfortunately, Danny Green is on his last legs. This is probably the last year you can get anything serviceable from him. You know, but this just goes back to, I agree with everything you said, but this, you know, this, this was my fear. Yeah. This is when we talked about this and we, you know, for months we sat there and I, what I mean, me, I mean, you and I, I mean you and any of your friends, you know, you and some of my other buddies, like Sixers fans in general, this was the debate. What, what is he going to come here? And is it, you know, what, like, how is it going to work? And can he finally get over the hump playoff wise? And we're not even in the playoffs yet. And like you said, he already looked forward. Like, that's the perfect analogy, which you said, the five-year-old, that's exact, because that's exactly what he is. He's like, he's like, you know, one of Mary and I's niece or nephews that literally just gets, you know, sits there like, is like our, you know, two-year-old nephew Pat, who sits there and knows how to work the YouTube app and literally just sits there like, and then just gets bored of the cocoa melon thing he's on, so switches to the next video after 30 seconds. Yeah. And that's that's what Harden looks like, like had in most of these games. What did I say? What did I constantly say to you, right? I said, I want to be proven wrong. I said I wanted to be proven wrong. I want him to come in here and, and prove that he wants to be a winner and that Embiid is the teammate that's gonna, is gonna help him get to that promised land. But you know, after you said, like you said, five his first couple games, it was like basketball and nirvana. He looked excited, he was like celebrating, doing shit like this playing defense running up and down the court dropping dimes right and left and then that brooklyn game came he literally looked like you know uh, a person who's like you know saw their like kidnapper in court and like started to have ptsd shock or something
0: he like, looked like he looked like the kid um he looked like the kid that just got his toy taken away after fighting with another kid and then he was wondering why the toy got taken away
1: <laughs> and he and instead of uh and then when he was on timeout instead of just listening to the mom and sitting the five minutes on the step and not doing shit he just kept doing the thing and not not understanding why it was hurting his chances of winning.
0: yeah exactly. i mean but
1: everyone played bad that game but that has like it sucks, but that's the game we can all look back to and be like, "That's when the fun stopped," that existed for six games or whatever, uh-huh. and the realization that this is what you get when you have James Harden, and this was my biggest fear. And like I said, I'm not starting. To, I'm not. I'm not sitting here being like, "I was right. I told you." I only do that with the Iowa game because I was. <laughs> I want to be wrong, but clearly there was something inherently inside of James Harden. That he either just doesn't like the big moment, or he, like you said, just gets disillusioned for no reason, and wants to like, just move on. Like you said, he's he's he just kid with a kid new toy. He gets bored. He's he's like a freaking eighteen-year-old kid with a, with girls when he first like starts. You know, starts getting laid. It's like, all right, I've had that one. I want a new one. You know, like not the shoot sh- Not I'm not saying that. No, it's just a funny
0: analogy. I know exactly what you're saying because I have. Yeah, I'm just saying, like,
1: yeah, like that's like it's like he he, he's like he just gets he just gets bored and immediately just wants to move on to the like the new chase.
0: So it's
1: not even been two months and we're having this conversation, like and like and like you said, like with the Versilla and Simmons thing, like we listen to him like avidly, but like I listen to him like angrily now because I know all they're gonna do. Is suck Boston Celtics dicks and talk shit on the Sixers, and it's like, oh, Luca, can you or can you believe or um Nikola Jokic, can you believe how good he? Had? Yeah, Jokic is amazing. Giannis is amazing. Like, it is amazing what they did, but they're like, oh, you know, I guess Embiid's been okay, but like Jokic, man, he's improved his defense. Okay, <laughs> he's improved his defense. Embiid never had to improve his defense. He's been a two-way player his entire life since he started playing this game at 14.
0: Yeah. not his
1: entire life, but you know what I mean? Like,
0: Well, and just looking at the rest of the East. Let's look at the rest of the East. Um, Boston is going to lose Robert Williams for several weeks due to a knee injury. That just got announced. That's
1: huge, whether whether people want to admit it or not. Yeah. Them not having time, Lord, leaves that middle of that defense wide open. And they weren't going to be able to stop Embiid to begin with now? Now they don't have the one guy that was could have maybe semi done a serviceable job, even though MB just puts him in the blender whenever he gets a chance. Yeah, but so, it, adds,
0: it adds pressure on Tatum and Brown and everyone else. Yeah, I can't wait like,
1: like to watch Tatum play hero ball for six weeks now.
0: And I love watching Jason Tatum play. Um, Brooklyn adds Kyrie to home games. So my take from a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, whenever it was, just goes out the window. Because
1: wait, I thought you thought that was eventually gonna.
0: I said, under the assumption that Kyrie does not clear, is not cleared for home games, that it's going to severely deter, hinder the Brooklyn Nets. Because on a team with KD and Ben Simmons as your one and two, without Kyrie, I don't think that team got very far. And Yeah, but you
1: weren't saying that he was never going to come. It was never going to happen. You were just saying that. that Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. No, it it was just a real cause for concern if he couldn't play home playoff games. Right. Um.
1: I thought you'd believe that he always was going to. He always was
0: Oh No, I kind of thought. And that's what's weird about this whole, like, I call it the Kyrie paradox. Because, like, at the beginning of the season when Kyrie said he wasn't going to get the vaccine, everyone was laying into him, whether right or wrong. People were laying into him and um saying a a bunch of things probably us included in that mix um and it's just weird now because it feels like the majority of the population has flipped now as we're kind of wrapping up the regular season because we've seen how weird it is that he can go to a game be in the locker room and sit courtside but he can't play at home so i think people were just like okay like Timeout here. Like, does is is it really worth getting so out? Like, is it worth getting so riled up over if that's his personal choice and the team decided? You know what? We just got to move on with Kyrie, whether he comes back or not. Fine, but we just got to figure out a way to maneuver without him. And for me, it was just really strange because I didn't really notice until Simmons pointed it out a couple of weeks ago, where he was like, "It's weird how everything's flipped."
1: It's you know what it is. It's Stockholm syndrome.
0: Probably yeah
1: it's 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 what it is like we we're we have been held captive with the Kyrie's bullshit antics and I'm not saying his choice did not get to that. that that is not what I'm saying it's bullshit yeah we live in America he has that choice that is yeah. his right you know I whether I agree with it or not I, I agree with the fact that that's his choice he has his reasons his reasons I probably don't agree with because they're probably fucking whacked out thoughts. Like the earth is flat and all this shit. And I get it. That's overplayed. Like, you know, but you know, cat, cat, cat Williams is a, has a really good point in one of stand standups. And I'm not going to say the exact line, but he says, there's nothing worse than a, than a dumb, smart brother. Let's put it that way. And he goes, that's a brother that thinks he's intelligent, but really he's an idiot. And that is Kyrie. Kyrie walks around. And I honestly would not, would not be surprised if he walked thinks like, well, I went to Duke for a year, dude. You went to Duke for six months and stopped probably going to class around January, February when you were done for the season with that injury. And don't get it twisted, Kyrie. You did not go to Duke on an academic scholarship. You went to Duke because you're really fucking good at playing basketball. You're not necessarily an idiot. I'm sure he might be intelligent to a degree. Like they're not just letting any dumb dumb in the Duke. Like yeah. you have to have some sort of intelligence. It is one of the 10 best schools in this country, like academic-wise. Yeah. You know what I mean? That said, like
0: what makes it so what makes it so annoying or I guess aggravating for the casual basketball fan is that at on the road, we've seen him this year put up 50 point game, 60 point game, and we know his talent. And right. for him to again whether you agree with it or not, for him to say, I'm not going to play home games. It's annoying because we want to see him at the highest level of basketball. and it it adds a different element when it's at home and Brooklyn's rocking and everything like that. And that's what's kind of been the most aggravating part. And we also didn't really hear about this from Kyrie because he was too busy sucking in Cleveland. Like he like that he put up great stats. But those teams, when he first got drafted by mm-hmm. Cleveland before LeBron came back, was terrible that those teams were terrible it
1: was it was him and waiters island just being two good stats bad team players
0: exactly so that's what's been weird but on the basketball side of things now that he's able to play home games and he uh has doesn't need to provide proof of vaccination all that type of stuff now you're really getting a chance to see okay what can this team do come full strength come playoff time and then you add in the simmons factor and it's like okay, he's, never, he's not playing. You don't think so? I he's think never, he's, playoff, not playing. he's playoffs. I think they're going to roll him out.
1: They'll try and play him two games, maybe, and he'll, he'll he's not. He will not have a meaningful impact on that team this year. Wow, that is my that's my that's my stance. There's he's clearly either so delusional or gone fucked in the head from whatever is going on with him. And at this point, I'm really starting to believe there is something seriously mentally wrong with him. Um, you know, there. We you know that there was some family stuff going on. Um, you know, maybe he's just butthurt about the uh, or uh, Kendall or whatever fucking dumbass Kardashian sister is he would date at this now date Devin Booker. Can't keep track of them. Um, uh,
0: but I- But anyway,
1: I, I just I just think that and the back is not a, the back is not something you mess around with, and it's one of the hardest things to fix, especially for somebody like a pro athlete. So I, I, that I believe is that I, with the, with the Kyrie thing, my last, I wanted to, because what I wanted to say with it is that it's, um, and I, what I should have led with this was that, like I said, his choice, that's America. The weird thing was, like you said, like, how come he's allowed to sit there, but he can't play with no mask on. That's what it was weird. What annoys me about the fact that now he's allowed to play is it, it almost seems like an entire city and or state, change its mandate mm.
0: to
1: for because the the god complex of one fucking athlete
0: i would i would disagree with that because i think um the city kind of knew like all right we're gonna roll it back at some point does it really make that much of a difference like i right, get it like, what
1: what numbers have shown that the the, the, the it's like I've never – I have yet to see anything, and obviously we don't live in New York, but in Philly, if anything, they just keep, they keep talking about how, like, it's getting worse, and they're still, like, very serious. Like, at my job, in the heart of Philadelphia, it's still very serious Like about, like – like, you're – like, at my job, you have to wear a double mask if it's one of the cloth masks. If you don't have a KN95, like, you have to double mask it because they're, like, that paranoid. And
0: Well, at, well, at State College here, like, the mask mandate just got lifted last week. Um. And it's been like it's kind of been like pre-COVID, like we're kind of like full back to normal, pretty much. And I, I get it.
1: We people want that. That's that's what we want. Yeah,
0: that's been the biggest thing. Is I think public pressure to be like, yo, like come on, like right? What 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 difference does it make rolling it back on a Monday compared to a Friday? You know what I mean?
1: Right. And it's it's not like like and like the people that are like mad at like mad at mad at Kyrie, because he's now like there's people out there who are literally like legitimately mad at him because he finally got his way and it's yeah. like i'm a little bit like that but it's not it's not because of that it's just like like i said like it's his choice whether you agree with it or not i don't know i'm not a scientist i'm not a healthcare professional i don't like to get into the debates about it like we can talk about it like reasonably but this unfortunately, will probably this,
0: be edited out of the final version
1: <laughs> unfortunately in this country anymore you can't have a re- rational conversation about this shit because it's one or the other, there's no middle. And Kyrie is someone that like really puts that divide down there because of this. He's on well, he's a real, real big proponent of the one side. Yeah. And that's fine. Like I said, America, his choice. I think to me, what always irritated me was I got sick of hearing about it. Like, I didn't fucking need a Kyrie update every goddamn fucking five minutes. Yeah, It was like, yeah. Kyrie took a piss and he's still not vaccinated. Kyrie woke up and he's still not vaccinated. Kyrie rubbed rub one out and he's still not vaccinated. Like, it's just, I didn't need the constant fucking updates. Like, I got it, okay? They, but, like, that's, and it was, that's the only person they were doing for. And, like I said, it's his choice. But I also saw something that's kind of selfish because he knew the requirements for his job. And he wasn't living up to it. So, in my mind, he shouldn't have been getting paid half of that, some of that money that he's getting paid. And if he was, he should be donating it back to the fans or some or people who need it to pay back for those people that came to those games that weren't able to watch him play. I'm glad he's able to play now because I'm glad it's, I'm, I don't want to deal with this, the circuses, the Kyrie vaccine update anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, it's, I, it's, it's and, weird. and it's to end to see what this boss Brooklyn team, even though I don't like them, what their full potential is. Like, you know, I just, I just, uh, you know, and that that vaccine or not, I just can't stand Kyrie to begin with. And I really can't stand Cameron Durant anymore either. And that's <laughs> and like that, all that smack talk that they were like throwing around at on the um, when they beat the Sixers that night, when like Embiid went to the hole and KD trying to fucking get in his face and be, like, a tough guy about it. Like, yeah, KD, run your fucking mouth on the court when you got seven other people, like, officials there and your team to protect you. I'd love to see you fucking say that shit to MB in a parking lot when it's just you two and you have to actually throw fists.
0: Yeah, but that's not the league anymore. Like, like players don't... I'm not saying it
1: should be. I just, I don't, I hate fake tough guys. And I think Kevin Durant is one of the biggest fucking fake tough guys ever because he has such thin skin that you can't even say, I don't like that. I don't like that sweatshirt you're wearing, Kevin. It's not you, or I don't like the color of it. And if you do that, you just made a mortal enemy for life. Like he's that much of a little baby ass thin skin bitch. that Like he gave Bill Simmons like a six part interview. And then Simmons said one thing about it. And like, he doesn't talk to him anymore. Yeah, It's just, like, he's, like, such a crybaby over the littlest thing. But then he wants to get, get all big and tough. Like, oh, look at me. oh, I, I just shot that three ball. Oh. like, But, like, he can't take any criticism whatsoever. But he can sit there and say and do whatever the fuck he wants to everybody else. And I hate people like that. That is a fake, tough guy. He's a phony. And I can't stand him. Phenomenal basketball player, yes. One of the greatest scorers to ever play the game. Absolutely. Fucking – bitch that ditched OKC and sold Russ Westbrook out, whether how annoying Westbrook can be and made him take all the blame while he went and got his titles in Golden State. That's absolutely 100% true. And that annoys me that he never that that blame doesn't get placed on him as much as it does on Westbrook. But that said, this team for as annoying as they are, they are so fucking talented and they could be so fun to watch if they just when they just play basketball and do it the right way. And they're a scary proposition, man. When they they get going now, and me, I for for the argument's sake, depending on when the Sixers fall, you got to play them eventually. But I want the Sixers to not have to see them to the finals because I want the Sixers to get two rounds of momentum built up and have Harden and whatever is in his fucking system when it comes to choking in the big moment, get it the fuck out of here. And whatever Doc has been. Like, you know, ailing him ever since self, he left the Celtics, get it out of here. Yeah. Like, I don't want to have to see them until the – until we we had – until the Sixers have figured everything out. And even then, I don't think the Sixers can take them.
0: It's, it's going to be tough. But um, let's move on to baseball. Um, Phillies, we actually – last time we talked – Phillies had to make some big moves. We said we would have liked two out of the three of Chris Bryant, Nick Castellanos, and Kyle Schwarber. Maybe John Middleton's listening to the podcast because they actually fucking did it and got Castellanos. And there's a there's a god. There's a there's a baseball god somewhere looking out for Philly fans. And the Phillies spent big money, went over. I think they're over the luxury tax right now or the C T. And so they signed Nick Schwarber and uh Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos. I knew I <laughs> fucked that up somewhere. It's all right. Castellanos gets five years, $100 million. Schwarber gets four years, $79 million. Not uh, that
1: bad when it's all said and done when you think about it. they're As long as they live up to it.
0: And when you consider that they are combined for $179 million and the Rockies gave Chris Bryant alone $182 million, Phillies did some great maneuvering here. Mm-hmm both are in the top 5 on the team of highest paid salaries uh, Bryce and Harper Zach. they both want to be here they yeah.
1: both want to be here and they made sure we knew that in that press conference they they knew and they they addressed that they're like I mean I, they both in different ways addressed how they know how passionate this city is how the how, how Citizens Bank how loud it can get when the, the Phillies are playing uh, great and they said they came here for that atmosphere and in Schwarber's case, cheesesteaks. <laughs> Dude,
0: I Which think both am- both of these are great Philly guys because yes. they're like they're the classic guys that you could see like going down to the bar and grabbing a drink uh-huh. and watching the game with. And I think that's why the city's gonna really I think love Schwarber
1: them. Schwarber is I think Schwarber is like gonna be like our version of John Croc. I think like he has, like yeah. I look at him and, and like it's maybe just the physique, the left-handed swing, maybe, but like that right there. What he came in and said, he's like, you know, they're great fans. It's passionate. I want to be on, I want to help this team get back to winning. And he's like, you know, I've always loved when I played here, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, and, you know, most importantly, the cheesesteaks. And it sounds so dumb. And people like could be like, that's an, you're an idiot. Like, you're like, if you think that's that important. No, because you know what that tells me? It tells me he gets his fucking city. And I love it. And Castellanos came in all business, but also like, the Philly kind of hard ass business kind of way. Like, hey, I'm here because i love to shut the pitcher up and hit that ball like a, a country long, like a mile long or whatever.
0: And both of them both, both of them each hit one home run today in their spring training game against Baltimore. Oh, they, did they? Yeah. Castellanos, saw- K- Castellanos smoked it. And this is like the both of these signings are kind of the same vibe. I vaguely remember I was, t- I was a little young for this. Of when Jim Tomey came to Philly because mm-hmm. it was like, oh shit, we actually got a big name that wants to come to Philly and it's that not just Harper. like, that was
1: Harper. That was Harper. True. And I think yeah. this these guys are the, the 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 Harper was the Tony to get this to get us back going again. Yeah. While some of the look like the younger players, that, that that like that hasn't necessarily like the Howard and the Utley's haven't necessarily well, come yet, but there's time and, and they, then they went and got the other big names that we needed. whether it was instead of instead of being pitchers this time it's more bats and you know and it's not just the bats they finally went and changed and and changed up the scenario and rebuilt that bullpen that has been crying for help for like four seasons now yeah and they're all minimal deals with guys that have had proven track records that have been in big moments, some of them have one type that had one World Series titles. They know how to get it done in the postseason. So far, I'm not saying we won the All Season because I think that's a stupid phrase. Like you won the All, like I, you know. But compared to what the Phillies All Season to look like, minus the one year where they signed Harper, and even then, outside of that, there hasn't really been much. Like it's been little bits here and there. Like if they can and- go get another starter. They can really contribute to this team. I think it would really put this team over the edge.
0: And this Bryson Stott kid, man, he could be the next Chase Utley. Like I really He's, think he—he he just
1: looks like yeah.
0: He has that swagger, that confidence, and that composure. And Joe Girardi said, um, I think it was earlier today, that there's a possible a possibility where Stott takes the third baseman job from Alec Bohm. Which is definitely on the table and should be. You should want to field your best players out there. Right. But at the same time, I don't want to pull the trigger too early. And a guy like Mickey Moniak, Mickey moniak has been crushing it. He's already Good. got three Finally. home runs. Three home runs coming in today. We're taping this on Monday. He's crushing he's got three home runs already. It seems like he's really finding his rhythm, at least in spring training. He's and maybe spraying the
1: ball over the park he's not just, you know, he's he's ex-
0: it's yeah, not just not... homers.
1: He's actually hitting for contact, doing what he was supposed to do as an overall pick.
0: Exactly. And that's exactly, that is the type of guy that they need someone that can spray it all over the field, get into the gaps. And with the new, um, just give you a couple bloopers. And then maybe it will surprise you with the home run here or there. Moniak and Stott are those two type of guys. And Stott looks like already looks like a great confident defender at second base or shortstop or wherever you throw him. I think I would like to see him at the middle infield just to keep uh, the continuity with Boehm at third base so that he can, you know, not worry about whether his starting job is going to get taken from him or not. And then that can make his whole, um, his whole approach even worse. So a lot of exciting things about the Phillies. Um, Alec
1: Bohm made two defensive, two really good defensive plays today apparently too.
0: I hope so. I haven't, I caught a couple of the highlights. I haven't watched, sat down and watched the full spring training game, but the Phillies did win seven to one. Granted it was against the Orioles, but that's always a great momentum builder, but you want to get to a new segment, grinding our gears, which not. Yeah. Title
1: pending title and and work.
0: Yeah. So this is just to kind of introduce the segment. This is one thing that is intertwined with the sports world that really like annoys us or just gets us riled up um and timmy i will let you go first since this was kind of your idea
1: so i think there was something i think this all started because i was just getting so sick of the um like the lack of love that Embiid is getting while it's just like every other player that is in the mvp discussion for this for today though a little bit more what i wanted to talk about was um you know uh, it's been almost Five years since the failure of 2017, when the USN's national team disgracefully bowed out of uh, qualification and did not qualify for Russia 2018. Um, USA is still not like a soccer crazy country. It's it's still has an, it's still kind of a niche. You get it's it's getting bigger. In 2017, there was there was there was a lot of backlash, but it was so small because the soccer fan base for to how big this country is, it, it wasn't it didn't like kind of reach as much as a national fervor as it did um, last night. It was a must win game after they drew and uh, and and on Thursday in Mexico at Stadia Azteca, a stadium they've never won before and never have never. It's like they're nice. Mexico's fortress. It's no one wins there. Um, They should have won, but a draw is a good draw for the fact that they didn't have a good team. So, yesterday was a very important game. I'm not convinced on the coach still. I think Greg Bonger only needs to go. It was a very dirty game yesterday. Like, multiple things happened um, that should have received red cards. That said, I was happy for multiple reasons none other than the fact that they got it done, they did it convincingly. And all they have to do now is continue to take care of business and go to Costa Rica on Wednesday. And they can still lose and qualify. I'd like for them to win, to prove like they're not just being uh, getting complacent. And they have they would have to lose by six goals. Yeah, it'd be very hard to do. Um, it's still a long ways away. Normally it'd be like cool. We only have a couple, we have a couple months, but we still have till November because FIFA is stupid and gave the World Cup to a fucking country that. Is if anything, that isn't something that's not being talked about enough. Maybe that really was something I should is grinding my gears that people need to go listen, look into. Qatar got this World Cup, it's well known now that they were basically it was, it was a they got it illegally, people were paid off to give it to them over the US bid. All this terrible stuff has happened, most importantly, and people can go look this up and fact check it 650,000 migrant or slave workers had died in the process of building these stadiums for this world cup in November report
0: thought, reveals that sixty six thousand five hundred 6,500 have died. And that was as of February 27, 2021, according to NPR. It's 2021. Oh shit. Well, that's only, that's the latest one I can find regardless. Uh,
1: regardless it's been a lot, even if it's just 6,500. Okay. Yeah. And even if I added a couple of zeros up, it's an atrocity
0: for my, uh my beef i guess from this week was um nike and kobe bryant the estate agreed to uh partner up again which means new kobe shoes will be coming out which is great i'm totally a big fan all that type of stuff and i'm gonna be careful with how i how i phrase this i what really got me annoyed about this was the original reasoning that Vanessa Bryant stated for the estate deciding to end its partnership with Nike in the first place, which was, according to ESPN's Nick Napolitano, you can look this up, was the estate was frustrated with the lack of availability of Kobe products, and which seems like the biggest reason was the um, the expectation that the estate would get a lifetime deal from Nike, but Instead, Nike declined to do that and offered not a non-lifetime deal. Some de- some details haven't been reported. Anyway, all that is to say, the original reasoning that she gave was limited availability of his products. And you leave, you leave the Nike umbrella pretty much, and they form their own clothing company, the Mambasita line, which is great, awesome, <laughs> salute, love that, and. With this new contract in place, I, lo- I started looking back at the products in that new clothing line. The hoodies were $124. Like, It's, obsc- it's obscene. It's, I, I get it. The demand for Kobe products has skyrocketed since he tragically passed away. But when you're talking about availability of products and how people can't afford it and how there are people that are buying it up in bulk and then reselling it, What do you think that $124 hoodie is going to do for that? That specific reason. If I, if you were truly upset about limited availability to his fans, to kids that he inspired, I think you would make these more cost affordable. And it doesn't for a champion hoodie to be $124. That shit better have gold in it. Like it. (laughs) Or or
1: make gold for you or something. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Or yeah. Or like Like the golden
1: goose that keeps producing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I instantly thought of this was you got to give Stefan Marbury all, yeah, the right. cre- all the more credit, all the more credit in the world for making $25 shoes, $20 shoes. And that to me is, I feel like we need to do that. And this isn't a pick on the Kobe, the Kobe Bryant estate as a whole. And you're saying,
1: you're saying as a whole athletes,
0: as a whole athletes general. athletes, and athletic wear manufacturers that typically get their labor <laughs> from over the seas in China and the middle east there haven't i haven't really seen a nike factory pop up in chicago or detroit or nope. in the midwest midwest america and that's why we love smaller clothing companies such as a 99 such as a bench clears because these are real people that are truly invested in what they're doing well if you really wanted to change communities why are you charging 35 for a t-shirt like i'm taking economics like i'm learning about that but you mean to tell me that You're turning 120% profit and you can't cut down on that profit. If you really did care about these communities and really did want to share your brand. I think a lot of people in general doesn't have to be kids would love a brand that charges $20 for an athletic wear t-shirt instead of 35 or would charge only $30 for a hoodie instead of 45 or 50. And so I would love to see a brand like Nike cut down on its prices or adidas under armor whatever it may be and make it more affordable for kids and college kids in general because college kids really set a lot of the trends and so these expensive prices cause us to look at other brands such as you know i, I already mentioned 99 bench clears all the type of stuff that can be more expensive but are better quality and so that's and,
1: why but 99 has a also has a reasoning because their market is very niche
0: like you know new shoes are expected to come out in may of this year Hopefully, you know, Vanessa Bryant negotiated and made Nike m- made or how do I say this? Put into the contract that Nike does make his shoes more available and more wide known so that they're not selling on StockX for $3,000 a pop and stuff like that.
1: And the, the other problem too that is that, like you say, it, it's rich, it, like it's so expensive and like you, you should make it more affordable so people want it. But on top of that, there's this subsection and there's this cultural drive of like in America, especially where, you know, it's it's a cultural thing where it's it doesn't matter how fucking expensive this shit is. People are going to buy it for themselves and for their kids because they got to look fresh and fly and they got the most they're going to have everything new and they got to be out there always looking like the dopest or whatever. I know I sound like an old man here. You don't know, the clouds, but it's dumb because people will do that instead of being able to afford to eat.
0: That 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 is one of the positives that comes out of this deal is frontofficesports. has a great summary of the contract, the new contract with Nike and the Kobe Bryant estate. And one of the details is that a G a GG Bryant shoe series, all the proceeds will be donated to the Mamba and Mama Cita Sports Foundation, which is great. So that's just. My and opinion. it's
1: it's you know, and the, like I said, there's just unfortunately there's just mindset like. I like, kids, I, kids I went to college with at Drexel. They're same friend group. I have one kid who his mind thought was like, "Yeah, I can look fresh, but I can do it for twelve dollars at Marshalls, and, yeah. sit and sit, use that other money for the bio wedding ring for his, for his now wife." And then he's got another buddy who all he cares about is that everything he has, it's it's got to be materialistic in some way. Like, "Oh, I want to go like party on a yacht in Ibiza just to say I did it," because for like the for the, the cloud or, Oh, here's this $5,000 butcher or kitchen set knife that you gotta have because somebody endorsed it. And like, it, it's, it's like, and it's not even for the, the quality of it. Like the quality is good, but it was just because so-and-so used it. But I think what they should do is like almost be like, they should have like each team should have like a social, one of their social media coordinators that literally goes and like, if like say Russell Westbrook shows up in a crazy outfit or, Somebody else, like one of the other people that like are like known for like their like like weird like their like their style.
0: Dame Lillard,
1: up, yeah, yes, you put it up on Instagram. Hey, today Dame was wearing this, this, and this, and it only cost this much from these stores. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So to yeah. show
1: the kids that that like, and it, it's got to be from the top down, and it's not something that's going to change overnight. Unfortunately, probably won't change that much, but it should, like, you know, and if these. Kids who came from nothing, some most of them just forget. Stephon Marbury never forgot where he came from.
0: Um. All right. That does it for us here at the Black and Blue Pod. Thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Check out our YouTube page at the Black and Blue Pod. So from Timmy Gorman and myself, thank you all for tuning in, and we will catch you in the next episode.